Hi, it's Scott Hamilton, Rockfile, back with another podcast, not a review. This is going to be a podcast about Eddie Van Halen. I've mentioned in previous podcasts that sometimes I just have to be uh, that strike of inspiration, that lightning strike that says, I need to talk about something. And usually it's because I've watched a movie or listened to an album or something somebody posted started me on a line of thought. But yesterday, Edward Van Halen passed away. He had been fighting cancer for a long time. We had heard a little bit of this and that. And it struck me a little harder than I expected. Now, I'm a huge Rush fan, so when Neil Peart died, it rocked my world. And I've always considered myself a big Van Halen fan. But I didn't think it was quite at that level. But I'm telling you, I was shaken to my core by, and I don't know why, because I, to be perfectly honest, am a fan of the first four to six albums and don't really listen to much of the rest of their output anymore. I've programmed radio stations that played every single song from Van Halen my entire career. I know the songs backwards and forwards. I've seen them live on just about every tour they ever toured once they got to a certain size. I remember when I was young, I saw them at the Fox Theater in Atlanta. They had a wall of amplifiers, and they were incredibly loud and great. But that was the last show they did before they graduated to the Omni, which was a 15,000, 20,000-seat arena in Atlanta. And that's where they played every other time they ever came until sheds and all that kind of stuff. But let's go back a bit and talk a little bit about Eddie Van Halen and what he means to me. I He meant a lot to millions of musicians and guitar players around the world. This will just be my side of it. When I was in fifth grade, I wanted to play guitar. This was a couple years before Eddie Van Halen would appear on the scene, and I took lessons from a guitar teacher that was across the street from my elementary school, and pretty famous in the area, actually. But now, in retrospect, they didn't teach me right. I bought an acoustic guitar, and they taped numbers and letters to all the frets, but the numbers and letters did not correspond to A, E, B flat, things like that. They were just one through five or six, and and you know, it, and A, B, C, D, E. They didn't course. They didn't teach me how to read music. So after struggling with guitar for months and months and months, and not really getting anywhere. I gave it up and it sat in a corner for a while. And this was a blow to my little fifth grade ego (laughs) because I had sung a little bit in choir. I'd played that flutophone thing. And being such a rock fan already, I already had albums in my collection. I was already playing air guitar. I just wanted to play the guitar. And I just, because I wasn't taught right, and because I'm just not, even today, I picked it up later, I'm just not cut out to be a good guitar player. It's just not, that's not the way my brain works. The next year, in sixth grade, I went to middle school and wanted to be a drummer. I wanted to play music, obviously, and, and, and I went to the band you know, meeting and, well, everybody pick an instrument, because in sixth grade, you don't know how to play anything. And when I picked drummer, there had already been too many drummers. So he said, pick something else. Now, putting this on a sixth grader to say, pick whatever instrument you're going to play for the next three to seven to 20 years um, without, you know, some people have a passion for the piano or the flute or the clarinet or the saxophone or whatever, percussion. Um, I picked trumpet because of Gonna Fly Now. The theme from Rocky was being played on the radio, and I really liked that sound and the fact that it was a lead. And uh, So anyway, I became a trumpet player, and I was a good trumpet player. First chair, president of the band, many awards, solo and ensemble festival, all that kind of stuff. So it turned out I did have a knack for music. I just had to find the right instrument. And 
it wasn't until later in life that that I was good at playing the notes. I mean, I, I and good at practicing and things like that. But I wasn't good at at doing my own thing, solos. Uh, you know, creatively playing the song instead of just playing what's on the page, kind of thing. Didn't learn that till later in life, and and kind of glad in some ways. But anyway. So I, I was this closet guitar player, and I was into bands like Rush and Yes, who had incredible guitar players, and I was already going to see them live uh, with my friend's parents. Uh, Kiss in 77 was my first big concert. Uh, Angel opened up. Angel was uh, fronted by keyboard player Greg Jafria, who went on to... Anyway, <laughs> I was just obviously wanting to be a musician, a rock star, play guitar, that kind of thing. And when the first Van Halen album came out... Um, I was in middle school and and remember the songs, but it wasn't until 1980 when I entered high school and I started hanging out with juniors and seniors that I was given a crash course in rock and roll. The stuff that, not growing up as an only child, I didn't have older brothers and sisters to hand me their Pink Floyd albums or whatever. I discovered things on the radio or in the record store, old-fashioned way, and I liked what I liked, and, and that was it. I didn't like everything that I bought, and some albums stayed and collected dust, and years later I went, oh, wow, I don't even remember I had that album. But always a music fan, always wanting to play music, that kind of thing, and so here I am in middle school, like I said, listen to 96 Rock in Atlanta. That's what I grew up on. They played the songs, you know, and I was into music at that time, but I was also very much into trumpet playing. I was taking some, uh, uh, what do they call them, AP courses at the time. Um, you would go off with a small group of people and not do the regular reading, writing, and arithmetic. I mean, we made a Star Trek movie on real film and scratched on the film to make lasers. And we did all sorts of creative. Focus was one of the programs it was called. It It was for smart kids, I guess, who didn't do well because in a classroom environment because I could sit in a classroom and make straight A's and not ever crack the book. I, it was one of those kids. And I made straight A's up until the end of my high school career uh, with not lifting a finger. So <laughs> it just it was one of those things. And I was able to creatively apply myself and as once I get into high school and and uh, and the trumpet playing by my senior year I'm taking three bands in an English and leaving early but anyway once 1980 rolled around and I'm in high school and I'm doing things like going with the older kids to drive around Stone Mountain which is a, a mountain of granite outside of Atlanta that became like a place on Sundays where you just go put the windows down and cruise in the summertime kind of thing. You'd play music really loud and, uh, you know, you smoke cigarettes and at that age you really weren't supposed to, but the seniors could and smoke other things and that kind of thing. And we listened to a lot, a lot of music in the hours and hours and hours going around thinking that we're going to meet some girls in some cars and pull over and have fun, you know, and like that ever happened. Because um, we're a bunch of long-haired dudes in black concert t-shirts cranking Van Halen albums as we're driving around, you know. Um but it was about 1980 where I first got my first indoctrination to nonstop Van Halen 1 and 2. Uh, Lee, who owned the Mustang that we cruised around in, was a huge Van Halen fan. And so this was at the time that Fair Warning wasn't even out yet, and Women and Children First wasn't even out yet, just the first two albums. And I remember going with them to that Fox Theater show and just being blown away, but not it not fully registering on me. It, high school was where I fully formed these ideas about music. And... So when Women and Children First and, and Fair Warning came out in 80 and 81, we were primed to receive those albums. And Van Halen was just getting better and better at this time. And you have to understand, it, later generations will just accept Van, Eddie Van Halen and the band for who they are and the different lead singers and the drama that happened and the different tours and the different sounds and all that kind of stuff. 
But at the time, in the beginning, when he was just coming out, you just heard rumbles of this guitar player, and then this band, and then they got played on the radio, but not so much more than any other band. It was just, but every song was just like, wow, nobody played guitar like that. There were a few people out there doing tapping, double tapping, harmonic, you know, some of the the tricks in Eddie's bag were being used by other people, uh, Alan Holdsworth, uh, to name one. But the way he put it together, I was talking about this with my roommate last night. Van Halen was the party band, but they were a great, I mean, they were great musicians. They were all good players. And when you saw them live, it was an epic show. I mean, no tapes, no backing tracks. Those guys just came out and jammed. Four guys, you know, and that's what I love about rock and roll. Said that in previous podcasts. I like a band getting on stage, sweating, and giving it their all. If they're sitting on stools and they're relaxed, I'm sure it's a great concert, but I like rock and roll. I, I like sweating my face. I like to bob my head and dance up and down. It makes me happy. And Van Halen was one of those bands that did that in spades. Seen a lot of people post on my page and on the other pages about their, their recollections of certain songs and when they got into Van Halen. And yes, that this is the most wonderful thing about music that I've talked about in podcast after podcast, is that music will take you back to a time. Music is a time machine. Songs and albums do magic. And if you listen to certain albums or certain songs over and over and over in your formative years, that stays with you for the rest of your life. And in the last 24 hours, going back to Van Halen albums, and I've pulled out every once in a while when I want to hear, you know, Van Halen. Um, I liked the band through their entire career, the changes. I even like three. I thought Gary Sharon wasn't allowed to be Gary Sharon, but that's all I'll say on that. I just, it, when I saw the Van Halen 3 tour and met them, it just felt like it was the Eddie Van Halen show. Um, and, and they had a singer. And I'm sure that wasn't a great thing for Gary to be involved in either. But anyway, that's not what I'm talking about here. I've always liked the band. Even when they went to the Van Hagar era, I had been a Sammy Hagar fan, and in 1980 I had camped out for tickets to see the Standing Hampton tour, which he had canceled. Um, we got third row, man. We camped out beside a hockey rink and froze our asses off that night. Got third row for the Standing Hampton tour at the Atlanta Civic Center. With uh, I forgot who was opening. I've got the ticket somewhere. Um, and like a couple weeks before the show, his guitar player died, and he had to cancel the tour. So... I was a Sammy Hagar fan long before he joined Van Halen. But that presented a, a more mature era. Um, I was in college at this time when the first Van Hagar album came out, 5150. And I we had seen the writing on the wall that David Lee Roth was going to go solo. And, and his persona had gotten bigger and bigger and bigger with each album. And that's not always the best thing for a band. It's great for a solo artist, but if the lead singer starts overshadowing everybody else in the band, you know, that can work to your advantage. It can work to your detriment. And that in the long run would have probably been a detriment. They would have become the David Lee Roth backing band. And obviously the Van Halen brothers didn't want that to happen. So bringing Sammy Hagar into the fold, they got a professional guitar player and vocalist who, who was already had serious rock cred, but the album was a shock for a lot of us fans because they had played around with keyboards, but they went full into it. And, and with Eddie playing them and, and things like that, it, you know, how could you complain? <laughs> you know, it's like Geddy Lee adding other keyboards and bass pedals and things. All right, the dude's playing like three things and singing right now. Yeah, you can't complain about that. But... It did change the sound of Van Halen, but I still liked Van Halen. I still went to the shows. They still put on great shows. And like I said, I saw the Van Halen 3 tour and even met them. And, okay, that was a good show. But like I said, it was an Eddie Van Halen show. 
Eddie Van Halen's guitar playing elevated rock and roll. It changed rock and roll. As I said, other guitar players had played with those techniques, but nobody had put it together in the Eddie sandwich that he served up on Van Halen 1. You cannot listen to that album and not just be blown away by the guitar pyrotechnics. And yes, he is also the example people use today when, well, David Gilmore can do more with one note than, than Eddie Van Halen can do with a thousand, and I agree with that to a certain extent. But I would blame Ingve Malmsteen and a few others for you know, kind of ruining that whole guitar god thing. What Eddie Van Halen was as as inspirational and as evolutional as anything Hendrix did. He took his influences, his experiences, and they came out different. They came out Eddie Van Halen. You could not listen to his guitar playing, even when he played with other people. How about those Michael Jackson solos? You know it's Eddie Van Halen from the first note. It's not just guitar tone, but it is. It's not just the way he plays, but it is. You know, there are certain masters of their instruments, of their arts, whatever. There are great painters. There are great writers. And Eddie Van Halen was truly a master of the electric guitar. And from songwriting standpoint, they took the party band idea that was kind of, you know, up and down the strip in L.A., and they, they elevated it. They, they made it, and they did some covers that most rock bands wouldn't have touched at the time, <laughs> and, and they made them Van Halenized. Um, Van Halen thought they were going to be the biggest band in the world, and they made it happen. It was one of those things where they worked really, really hard. When we were kids and they first came out, we read all the stories. They were Mammoth and Rat Salad, and they had all these other names, and then, you know, different members, and finally, it just kind of all gelled, and the producer Ted Templeman and, and their manager and how this all, you know, it's all of those ingredients in a meal that make a, uh, a you know, all those ingredients in a dish that make a meal great. Um, it's not just the band, it's not just the guitar player, but you cannot listen to a Van Halen album and not think, you know, the guitar riffs and, the, and everything's kind of built around where that guitar is going to be in the song. It just, he's one of those players and you don't want to have him playing rhythm in the background unless he wants to do, you know. So anyway, it was interesting that the songwriting changes over the years with Van Halen as the songwriting got more mature and, you know, it. people say they like old Rush because it's heavier and more raw. I say I like old Van Halen because it's more heavier and raw, but you still got to appreciate the songwriting and the massive hits. With Hagar, they got even bigger. And it's unfortunate that after 3 didn't quite work out so well and they tried to do some things with David Lee Roth that that just couldn't bring the magic back. And in some cases, I wish they hadn't tried as much as they tried. It Leave the early stuff alone. When they remastered the albums five years ago, uh, Alex Van Halen came out and said, we're going to release the albums exactly the way they were. They will just be remastered, no bonus tracks, no whatever. Which, at first, I kind of applauded, but second, I went, well, your albums are only about 35 minutes long. <laughs> you could put two on one CD these days. Um, but the sound quality was much improved. Uh, in going through them yesterday, I have both the original versions ripped and the, the remasters. Remasters are really good. Boy, you can tell a big difference on later albums, like uh, Diver Down, a remaster. Just big difference. Um, but again, going back to listening to all this work i'm just amazed and i would like to hear some bonus tracks i would like to hear some unreleased stuff there is a lot of bootleg stuff out there a lot of shows van halen was one of the first bands that i realized had this incredible uh 
ecosystem of fans who shared tapes and demos and pictures and things that never made it to mainstream media. And there are a lot of bands that way now. But, you know, this was my first experience with I didn't I hadn't met a, a cadre of Yes fans or Rush fans like that. But Van Halen has always had a huge tape fandom, a huge sharing fandom, even before the days of social media and the Internet. And so there is a lot of early Van Halen stuff out there on the interwebs for you to find. But I prefer to get the stuff from the band most of the time. Bootlegs are fun and give you an interesting view into some shows maybe you didn't see or, or some uh, some things that they never wanted out there in the public. But I'm all for an artist releasing what they want to release. And if Van Halen doesn't have anything in the vaults that they say, well, these are pretty good. Check these out. We'll, we'll charge you for these as well. Um, maybe... You know, maybe that's a good thing. But I, I, I'm sure there's got to be some stuff that wound up on the cutting room floor, not released, or B-sides in Japan or whatever. They could put out something like that. But Van Halen's never been one of those bands. They they stand by their albums. The albums stand the test of time. The covers are classic. The music is well-produced and well-played. Um, Van Halen is just iconic. And now that he is no longer on the planet, i I got to be honest my station, Rock Vale Radio Fire, is a hard rock station, but mostly targeted to 21st century music. We are in 2020. There is 20 years of 21st century music that a lot of rock stations in the United States are not playing right now because everything's gone 80s and 90s nostalgia. And I get that. I have a 90s category that plays sporadically through the station to keep some familiarity with some Alice in Chains and some music from the late 90s that really fits what we do on the station normally. But I got to be honest, when this Van Halen thing happened, I thought about it for a few minutes and I went over the station and I picked a, a, a good handful of Van Halen songs going all the way back to 1978 and I threw them in that older music category. So my station will now, you know, throw in Eddie Van Halen's work with all of the modern stuff because... Do you know how many modern guitar players, modern musicians have been inspired by Van Halen? I mean, I was inspired listening to their albums in cars and in my my bedroom to do the rock radio thing and to say, hey, this is new Van Halen, check it out. You know, isn't Eddie great? And Hagar, David Lee Roth, you know. If I was inspired to do the radio thing by Van Halen, or at least one of my many inspirations, there are... (laughs) an infinite number of guitar players who picked up the guitar because they wanted to do that. Uh, Eddie Van Halen was just, he he seemed like a nice guy the whole time. There was a little bit of mystery to him. He married uh, Valerie Bertinelli, who had been a TV star, and everything looked storybook and everything there in the beginning, and, and they could do no wrong. Every album got bigger. Every tour got bigger. It just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and deservedly so. Um, from his guitar work to just the sound of the band, Eddie Van Halen changed rock and roll with his guitar. A lot of things that followed, even if they don't sound like Van Halen, uh, I thought my feed was full of Neil when Rush, uh, when Rush's drummer passed away back in January, and some of the other rock stars that have passed. But my feed was truly full. Every single post, I'm thank you for wiping out politics, Eddie Van Halen, for a day, because my feed was 100% Eddie Van Halen from yesterday afternoon until this morning. Um, there are people who are not music heads like I am and maybe not like you are that listen to the radio, that have songs from their, their young days and things like that, who still 
you know, Van Halen Panama was their their beach trip at senior year, or Van Halen Dreams was played at their wedding, or, you know, there are so many people that have been touched by this band and this artist. It is unfathomable that it will ever go away. The music is out there forever. It's now been remastered. You should buy some CDs and put them in your collection. Personally, the first four albums still sound fresh. I listened to all of them last night. I'm going through some of the rest of the catalog today while I work. It sounds like Van Halen. I have some friends, and I never got into Van Halen. I get that, because there's, I mean, I'm, I honestly, here I'm making an, I'm not into Steel Panther. Um, they're a party band that's, that's, they're good, they're talented, but everything's a joke, and, you know, that's not my kind of party band. My party band was Van Halen. They were serious party animals. Uh, they drank a lot, they did some drugs, and they played loud, obnoxious music that everybody liked, that played at parties, that played at bars, that played at dance clubs. I mean, Van Halen was everywhere for a period of time, and, they deserve what they get, you know. If if you if been a long time since you listened to the first two Van Halen albums, uh, take the first four. There's some experimental stuff on there. They're they're short albums, but the songs are great and the experiments are bizarre. And it's just what they crafted on those albums has never been crafted by other artists. It's it's other artists have tried do similar things. There are other bands that have patterned themselves like you know, but. Van Halen was a unique entity and and now cemented in that rock and roll history will always be. Eddie Van Halen played with other artists. We've talked about, you know, the Michael Jackson solos he did, uh, did a project with Brian May. I mean, I listened to his guitar and I I, I still just, wow. I, I, I want to say I get chills or it inspires me or whatever, but... Eddie Van Halen's guitar is just, <laughs> it's just a, I, I, there aren't other too many things in life that are as unique as in my head, in my life, in my heart, as his guitar playing. It, an artist, when they reach your soul, when they touch your soul with a paintbrush or, uh, you know, uh, when they craft something and it, it really touches you, not just between the eyes, but right in the heart, I, you know, that's. That's the magic of being a human. That's the magic of being alive. That's one of the things that make it worth being alive. And I get the feeling that every day Eddie Van Halen was alive, especially in the peak years. The dude, you know, he was all about doing it better, making it better, and being a better him. And he was, like I said, I really thought the Neil thing would be heavier, but Eddie Van Halen's passing yesterday just hit me a little bit harder than I expected. And... I hate cancer. I lost my parents to cancer. I've dealt with cancer, dealing with cancer. Uh, I hate cancer. And it's, come on, scientists, we've cured a lot of things in my lifetime. I know we're working on the coronavirus, and that's important, but let's 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 knock out this cancer thing. It's It's got to be done. Eddie Van Halen, you will be missed. I'm glad you have just yards and yards of work that we can sift through and listen to again and again and just go marvel at how you made us feel how you made days better, how you made events better, how you just made life better by you putting your music out into the world. Thank you so much, Eddie Van Halen. I'm Scott Hamilton. I'm Rockfile. Sorry I got a little choked up, but this was kind of an epic one for you. All my links are below. Thank you for listening. Subscribe, share. I will see you on the next one, or I guess you'll hear me <laughs> later. Later.